This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. I'd like to start this program tonight on a serious note. Um, You know, a lot of the stuff gets politicized, but today is a day of remembrance, a day of learning, a day of understanding, a day of compassion for our fellow Americans, a day to look back and also to move forward. For it's only when we can move forward that we move beyond what we have left behind. We must never, ever forget the events of this day. I know a lot of people don't want to hear it, but it is a day that will long be remembered as a turning point, not only in our history, but in humanity. I'm talking, of course, about January 6th. January 6th, that fateful, fateful day. You'll have to excuse me if you don't like the tone of this or you think it's too preachy or whatever, but it was an important day in our history. The weight of this day still weighs heavy on me and I think many people around the country. January 6th, 1976, the day we celebrate the birth of Danny Pintoro, who, as we all know, played Jonathan Bauer on the seminal television show, Who's the Boss? Was Jonathan the boss? Well, no, he wasn't. But still, we should all pause for a moment of silence today in his honor, even though I'm pretty sure he's still alive. Happy birthday, Danny. You've made January 6th a day to remember. Hashtag never forget. Stu does America. Oh no, Stu's gone woke. No, no, no. I'm here for you. BlazeTV.com slash Stu. Use the promo code Stu and save 10 bucks. If you're watching on YouTube, like the video, subscribe to the channel, hit the bell, do all the things. Eric July is going to be here to talk about pregnant male Batman villains. Obviously, the NFL has made a bizarre decision in the wake of the DeMar Hamlin injury. But we start by doing New Year's resolutions. Do you have any? Do you have any New Year's resolutions this year? Do you make them every year? Do you always fail? I'm pretty much in that boat. I don't always make them, but I usually, when I do make them, I make sure to fail at them. It's a very, very important part of my life. I'm not a big New Year's resolution fan. But I thought we'd spend today, with all the crazy news going on, on something that actually might be valuable to your life. And I, these are things that I've actually found to be valuable in my life. And I want to walk you through these because you can worry about every political big story out there. You can worry about how many votes Kevin McCarthy gets in a particular round of the House speakership election. But really, like, it doesn't affect your life on a day-to-day basis. Which annoying Washington politician has more power is, yes, important in the grand scheme of things, but I'm talking about you and your life in your house. And so I thought I'd go through a few books uh, that I've read, and I think that you might, you might get some value out of it. Maybe you won't. Maybe you'll think they suck. But I think, for me, actually coming up with improvements to make my life better and make myself, you know, ideally somewhat of a better person 
it's not always easy and you don't know how to do it. And I will say getting overwhelmed by the day-to-day -day news and the day-to-day -day responsibilities of life and job and kids and family and all that stuff, a lot of times it gets, uh, gets to be too much. So I thought I'd give you a few different books that I think you might actually like and get something out of. And let me start with one, which is a gigantic book. I'm not breaking any new news here. It's one of the top sellers on Amazon and has been for quite a while. It's called Atomic Habits. And what's interesting about Atomic Habits, it's called uh, Atomic Habits, Tiny Changes, Remarkable Results, an Easy and Proven Way to Build Good Habits and Break Bad Ones. He sold over 4 million copies, at least, on this particular graphic. And it's written by a guy named James Clear. Uh, James Clear is a guy who was a former baseball player, uh, you know, in like uh, high school, college level. And he wound up getting terribly injured when he was uh, playing baseball and had to basically rebuild almost everything from scratch. He was he got hit in the head with a baseball bat, which sucks. I don't recommend that at all. That's not the part of the book I'm recommending. You should not go out and get your head hit with a baseball bat. Basically, what this book does is give you a system. If you think about the things that you do that annoy you about yourself, I constantly do X, Y, and Z. I'm always forgetting to do this. I can't come up with a new good positive habit to change my life in a positive way. This breaks down that entire system in a way that pretty much anybody can handle. And it gives you sort of systemic steps to try to master your own behavior, which I think is really not something we think about all that op uh, often, but is really, really important. Um, you know, one of the things they talk about is, what are the things that you do every day? There's different types of habits. Obviously, you get up every day and you brush your teeth, unless that's you with the bad breath. Is that you? I hope not, because you should get up every day and brush your teeth. You should get up every day and, I don't know, you know, wash your face. Do you take a shower before you go to bed? All those things, and those habits are fundamental to our everyday you know, life. And we don't question them. We don't think about them. We're not coming up with, oh, I got to remember to take a shower tonight. You just do it, right? And how do you move other behaviors that would be beneficial to you into those categories so they're automatic? They don't, they don't feel like work, right? Maybe it's going to the gym or maybe it's, you know, eating right or whatever. It's, it's a way of moving those things from work I have to be dedicated. I need willpower. I need to do all these things to make it easy. His point is basically, willpower probably won't get you over the threshold on a lot of this stuff. You need more than that. You need to make these things easy. And they ha he has, a, there's three laws of, of habits in the, in the book, Atomic Habits. And the three are make it obvious, make it attractive, and make it easy. Those are the three steps. So if you have a habit, like if you want to eat more fruit uh, and eat less candy bars, uh, you make it obvious, right? You, you put that you know, bowl of apples right in the middle of the table every day when you come home so you always see it. Make it attractive. Is it something that you actually like doing? Make it easy. Don't put them in the crisper drawer at the bottom of your refrigerator where you're never going to see the apples. These are obviously just sort of silly examples. But he explains how to go through this and also the alternatives. If you are drinking too, much, too many beers, uh, how do you reverse these rules to make it difficult, to make it uh, not so obvious, to make it unattractive? And there's a lot of different steps in there. There's stuff called habit stacking, where like if there's something that you're doing all the time, if you can attach a new habit uh, to that whole process, it's a lot to explain here in a couple of minutes, but I can't recommend it enough. If you're a thinker, if you think like I think, 
I can't just have this like emotional, I've got to do better and, and just do it. I need to have a system to make sure it actually occurs. It's the way my mind works. And if that's the way your mind works and you constantly find yourself falling down on things that you should be able to do as a human being, uh, maybe it's whether it's, you know, eating or, you know, um, uh, just like not being organized, maybe not being uh, doing enough to help yourself financially, all of these things. And also, I think, you know, all the way to family and kids and everything else, this stuff will really help you walk through all of those steps to make this happen. It's legit step-by-step, lots of stories in there to help you understand it. It's a really, really good book. It's called Atomic Habits, and uh, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, Another book, because I just said, like, you got to have a system. Well, how do you stick to that system? Sometimes you have to do things that aren't easy, that aren't attractive, that aren't obvious, and you want to find another path to, to success in your own personal life. How do you do that? Well, another book that I think you'll like is called Discipline is Destiny, The Power of Self-Control by Ryan Holiday. Now, this is a book, um, it's, you know, Ryan is, we've had him on, I actually had him on Wonderful World of Stew a million years ago as well. Like, he's been on the show a bunch of times. Really interesting guy, really interesting writer. Um, But he is known for sort of, um, uh, one of the things he's known for is a, a, he's sort of a stoic, a modern day stoic. Um, And stoicism kind of gets a bad rap, I think, because a lot of people like to put it in competition with like faith and religion, which, you know, again, you can do that if you want, but I don't really find it useful in that way. Um, I think what it is, is just this idea that a lot, there's a softness that has come over our country and over humanity in general. Um, And I think this book talks about you really can get past a lot of the stuff that you think is really difficult. You can power through. You can show up every day. You can do the things that you think maybe you can't do. Um, and it goes through, it's part of a series he's writing uh, on, on these beliefs. But this one in particular, I think, is really valuable. Just about self-discipline. Um, you know, quit being a slave. Quit being a slave to everything that, uh, that is going on around you. You know, you wake up in the morning, you're on your phone, and your phone is dictating what you're going to do in the day. Uh, what, what emails have come in means, you know, how do you respond to those emails? That's not you in control of your life. That's your phone in control of your life. Uh, just show up is such an easy thing. Uh, but man, is it so difficult to see in our society today. I keep thinking about this, like if you're a business owner these days, if you could just get people who show up to your job, to their jobs and, 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 and show up to work every day, you're so far ahead of the game. We have come, uh, become a place that wants to show up when it's convenient. Uh, how many times have you scheduled an appointment and people just don't show up? It happens over and over again. Um, uh, perfectionism. As a vice is an interesting concept in the book. That, and I don't know if this, maybe this is just me. I'm sure it's not just me, but maybe it's not you. But there's this idea that like, if you can't do something perfectly, you kind of just say, ah, screw it. I know this is me with like when I'm trying to eat healthy. If I eat healthy for two meals and the third one I sort of blow it, then it's just like I'm at the ice cream fridge, just your freezer. I've got like Nancy Pelosi's ice cream freezer and I'm just jamming down pints of ice cream at that point. Just because you screw up on something does not mean you have to completely blow up your life. The battle against pain. Can you push through pain? Can you can you avoid pleasure at times when maybe it's not the appropriate thing? Um, can you understand that silence is strength? 
A lot of times silence is strength. And believe me, in this world with social media and all that other stuff, that is the exact opposite of what everybody tells you. But it's really, really valuable insight. How to put up boundaries and respect your time. You don't have to say yes to every moron that comes by and asks you for something. I promise you that's not true. The whole thing is like it becomes like a Pinterest post, but like no is a complete sentence is kind of good advice for most people. And I don't think a lot of people take that advice. Um, and I love the concept of uh, uh, what he talks about in how to m kind of manage yourself at, at a higher level and how to react to the world. And one of the things I, I've talked to my kids about this, I, I try to keep it uh, uh, true um, in my own life, which is to be tolerant of others' mistakes, um, but be strict with your own behavior. And I think often what we do is we are strict with other people and their behavior, and we're very tolerant of all the times we screw up. Being able to focus outside of that and say, hey, I want to hold myself to a really high standard, but if someone messes up, they, can, they have a mistake, they do something in, unintentionally wrong that might even hurt you, being more understanding about that, it's surprising how much of a better person it makes you. It makes you, and it also makes you feel more powerful over the situation. When you're not freaking out about every little thing, man, life is so much better. When you're managing the way you react to situations, you know, everything in life is at some level a, ch a choice. You can react one way or you can react the other way. If you react like a psychopath, yes, people will hate you, but that's a secondary thing. You will hate yourself. And I think uh, he kind of goes through that and, you know, talks about stories, you know, everybody from, you know, like Lou Gehrig, right? It goes through all the stuff this guy went through to be the great player that he was. Not the most talented player, not the greatest athlete in the world, but a guy who just powered through and showed up every single day. He has a bunch of stories about people that you would know that kind of illustrate these things. And they're really attributes that I think we all want to achieve. And oftentimes I think we convince ourselves we can't do them. Now, look, are you going to hit 60 home runs? Yeah, I don't know if you're going to be able to do that. Um, but you, you, you can do a lot of things that you don't think you can. You can power through situations that you don't think you're, you're able to. And this kind of gives the basis on that, how to keep yourself in line and stay uh, focused on the things that you actually care about and get closer and closer to them on a day in, day out basis. So that is uh, Discipline is Destiny by Ryan Holiday. Uh, third book. And look, I'm just gonna, this is a reading assignment. No, you can do this if you want to. I, I found these things really useful, and I really have liked them and, and taken things out of all of these that have really made a difference in my life. And, I, and I, I think maybe it will for you as well. The last one is called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And it's by a guy named John Mark Comer. Now, he's a, this is, veers into the religious a little bit. Get nervous. Uh, this guy's a pastor. I, you know, I don't even think, I don't know, I might disagree with him on some uh, issues of faith. He doesn't seem to be the most conservative guy in the world. But I think he's discovered something that I had never noticed in my entire life until I really looked at this. And I think it's completely true the more and more I've considered it, which is really intentionally going through life and trying to eliminate hurry. Hurry seems like a totally innocuous thing. You're either hurrying because you're late for something or you're not. Why, why would you try to eliminate hurry? Well, number one, he kind of talks about it as like, well, you know, and hurry is the enemy of everything you want to be. Whenever you have those bad moments where, I don't know, you yell at your kids, you're pissed off at a coworker, you, uh, you, you screw something up, you make a big mistake, 
almost all those times are not well-considered sober decisions. They're not, oh, well, I think I should talk to my child in this way. When you're pissed off at yourself after one of those bad interactions, it's usually because you're in the middle of that intense situation where you're trying to push yourself and you're trying to get out the door or you're trying to, no, we got to have that answer right now. No, we have to move right now. The managing that whole thing and eliminating the situations that lead to that behavior is something that is going to make you like yourself more. And probably the people around you are going to like you more as well. Um, He talks about the great enemy of spiritual life as well is hurry. Now, there's some of this that I think you'll find a little granola. Like, you know, uh, the guy is like, I don't know. He he might even describe himself as a hippie a little bit at times. You can kind of feel that in the book. But it's the, you know, so you, maybe you're not going to, you know, wake up for four hours every morning and just read scriptures. Probably not going to be your morning. If it is, that's great for you. You're probably a much better person than I am. But I will say, just being able to eliminate that constant stress on yourself makes you sit back and make sober decisions. You don't make good decisions in moments of stress. This is the opposite of what you will see constantly praise uh, on the left, right? We played the clip earlier this week, never let a crisis go to waste. Well, crisis, the reason they say that is because they know when people are in crisis, they will make irrational decisions. They'll give up their freedoms. They'll do whatever they have to do to get through that moment. The point with this book, this book is making is avoid those moments. Find and systemize ways to make sure you don't actually wind up in that moment in the first place. Um, they talk about you know, different rules for life, trying to really prioritize the things that are important. Silence and solitude, Sabbath, simplicity, slowing your life down. And I just think like if you're one of those people, because I know I have you know, friends and relatives who, who complain about this type of thing a lot, where they're having a conversation with someone and you know, they, it, it escalates. One side you know, gets louder and the other side gets louder and they get, it turns into a fight and everyone walks away and then they're like, oh gosh, why did I do that? Why did I put myself in that position? Why, why did I say that thing I didn't want to say? So often it's hurry and it's not just like running out the door. It's, it's lifelong sort of stress moving toward a thing that you're trying to achieve that might be a good thing, might be a positive thing that you're trying to achieve in a given day, a given time but wind up putting you out, uh, taking you out of the person that you want to be and putting you into this other sort of alternative crisis actor. You're in the middle of a crisis. I must do X, Y, and Z right now. That instinct winds up burning you. So those are the three. I think if you are the type of person who wants to improve your life, who wants to become a better person, who continually falls down and fails when they try to do that, I think that's most people, these are one of these three might really work for you. Let me give them to you again. It's Atomic Habits by James Clear. You got uh, Discipline is Destiny by Ryan Holiday. And, uh, and that was really came from, uh, you know, I was looking for a, a book on the philosophy of Marcus Aurelius. And, you know, I read one and it was like all about like the palace intrigue of the old days. That's not really what I was looking for. This is the book I was looking for. Discipline is Destiny. I think you'll really like that. And uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Check these out. Available in bookstores now. And by the way, also available, if you like to read, is Eric July in his series of comic books. He's going to be coming on with us in a second because he wants to talk about uh, this new Joker comic book, which features Joker as a pregnant man. I can't wait to hear what Eric's going to say about this. Back in a second.
You know, we have a president that is a little old, doesn't get around all that well, seems a bit incoherent. Can he see? Can he hear? I don't know. It's, it all seems uh, out there. And I have a dog who has almost all of the same characteristics. President Miles. He's, uh, I think, 18 years old, 17 or 18. I can't, I can never remember, but he's very old and he gets around very slowly. Um, but he's still, he's still kicking it. I love it. And he's a great dog and I, it will be very, very sad the day he goes. One of my main focuses with him now is just to make sure that he's, you know, the rest of his days are as happy as they can be. And longevity formula from Palmade is something that can help you with this. It's an all natural supplement for dogs made with 23 dog friendly superfoods to help keep your dog healthy and strong, even if they're a thousand years old. Uh, veterinary approved longevity formula boosts nutrient intake. It protects against toxins. It guards against premature aging. And, you know, it's important because, of course, toxins like pesticides and mold and air pollution can help uh, harm your dog's health. Longevity formula contains, uh, you know, a bunch of good things for your dog. Whatever's good for your dog, it's in here. And right now, there is a limited time offer exclusively for you. Right now, for every purchase of Longevity Formula, you'll receive a free bottle of Paw Mates Hip and Joint Formula. This is something that Miles definitely needs, Hip and Joint Formula. To claim your offer, go to pawmade.com slash stew, P-A-W-M-A-D-E dot com slash stew, or you can call them 833-PAW-MADE, P-A-W-M-A-D-E, pawmade.com slash stew, or 833-PAW-MADE. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right, let's bring in Eric. Eric July, of course, Blaze TV contributor, host of For Canon's Sake and the founder of Ripiverse Comics. You can still get your copy of the first issue of ISOM by heading over to ripiverse.com. Make sure you do not miss out on this. Uh, Eric, how's it going? Hey, brother, how you doing? It's going well. I can't complain at all. Ah, good to hear. Good to hear. Um, I had to bring you on because I want to talk to you about what's going on with DC Comics right now. But you know, you're a guy who's thought a lot about this. Before we get into exactly the, the latest craziness, can you kind of give us a history of this? I don't follow the ins and outs every day of this industry. How did we get from what I remember as a kid, which was just fun storytelling and really interesting stuff, to like, you know, bizarre, woke commentary jam-packed into every storyline? Yeah, uh, it's hard to identify exactly when this sort of thing happened. But at some point, I would argue in the 2010s or roughly then, there was a, a hard pivot. You'd have people that would try to gaslight you by saying, hey, comics have always been political and other weird stuff like that. But to the degree of what we're seeing right now, and it's not even just the political issues. It's a lot of continuity issues that are surrounding the books that have just turned off current readers. And it has a lot of people that are writing the material that really shouldn't be writing uh, the material. And that just became so very obvious around the uh, middle of like the 2010s. And then it just went full blown, like with the social justice and all that stuff going on to like 2015, 2016, 2017. And they haven't turned around from there, despite the decline in unit 
sales uh they seem to just just keep on going so it's not a relatively new thing but i guess you can say it's recent in terms of the long history of american comic books it really is amazing the latest example of this is from dc comics uh they have uh, a, a a comic with the with the Joker in it, and let me show it to the people if they haven't seen it yet. You have the Joker standing there saying, uh, "Well, what do we hear? He's he looks like me after I went to Taco Bell, got a little bit of a, a belly going on." And the person with a, with him says, "I think you're pregnant," which is a not the first thing you would guess when you're talking to a guy. Joker responds, "I think you're right. Do we have a good OBGYN we use now?" There's so much wrong with this uh, in so many ways. First of all, I'm pretty sure this is not how women find out they're pregnant. They've just, they're like just eight months in and just like, oh, wow, what's this belly doing here? But like, again, I'm the type of person who still believes it's women that get pregnant and men that do not. I guess that's not what we're supposed to believe these days. This was a bizarre story uh, in general. And just to give like the audience uh, uh, context here, this happened at the this was like the issue, the fourth issue of this particular uh, Joker book. And it was like a, I think, five, six page kind of story at the end of the main story. So to give you context there, it didn't have to be there. It was a pointless thing that was just thrown in for a few different pages. I think there was even a change in the actual art team that wrote that uh, or that drew that like six six pages. But basically Zatanna, who we know is more of a good guy, defeated Joker and Joker's like face down in this mud, right? And then he goes to sleep, he wakes up and he has this pot belly, right? And it was a very bizarre scene there in that you had the atomic skull or Dr. Phosphorus as they as he wanted to be called that went in and he was like he you know Joker had his legs up as if he was at the OBGYN and he's all under his deal. It was a bizarre thing to really put in a comic book, but he ends up throwing up like a mud baby basically of himself uh and yeah it's like a little kid version of of himself from that mud that he threw up it was needless it was pointless it did not have to be there at all and i'm surprised that the editorial team let that kind of slip by there it didn't make really any sense that even if you were going to say okay because he was face down in this mud and he ends up throwing something up you could have done that without that whole scene that he's got his legs. It was a bizarre thing to really put uh, out there, but it just goes to show how far that DC has fallen. Yeah, I mean, is is there an argument? I mean, certainly the, there's an argument to be made that this is just, you know, woke leftists trying to jam in their agenda to every one of these things. Is it also just partial incompetence, too? I mean, is it just that they've hired a bunch of bad people who don't know what they're doing, they're not good at this, and there's no oversight? I mean, what what is the reason that this happened? I think that the wokeness that we'd like to point towards is more of a identifier in the symptom, right? Because they have a whole host of problems that folks that watch me, you guys know that I speak on all the time. And I think that's what that is. So to your point, you're you're 100 percent correct. And that there's a bunch of people that are in positions that shouldn't be there. (laughs) Um, They're not sending their best or they're not like hiring the best people for uh, these jobs. It feels like a free for all. Even the book in itself is really a pointless book. 
that's being put out there. They're not really giving customers uh, anything to kind of look forward to. It just seems like they're just trying to give as many people as they possibly can uh, uh, books. Right. And often these guys aren't really good. So the wokeness and what you see a lot with DC or even with Marvel is more just one symptom like that we can point to. That's very easy. But for those of us that have been following it, we see a whole host of other problems. And it's just, again, goes to show how the mighty have fallen. And, you know, not to blow my head up, but that's kind of where we came in with the Ripperverse stuff and seeing those issues and said, hey, uh, we're just not going to do what they do. And people, of course, responded to that. Yeah, it reminds me of that uh, scene in, in Elf where, you know, at the beginning of the movie, you know, the dad is, he's a book publisher and he leaves the last two pages blank. And they eventually realize that they left the last two pages blank. And they say, even if these two pages were here, the book would have sucked. And like, that's kind of like, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, the pregnant Joker thing is bad, but the whole thing is bad, regardless yeah. of whether that's there. And I know that's kind of why, one of the reasons why you started your whole project and it's been so successful. You know, there is a real hunger out there, I think, for people who just want to go back to the times where the entertainment, the stories, the art, that was the focus. It wasn't about all this messaging. It wasn't about trying to get, you know, somebody to vote for somebody. I mean, I remember there was a comic out a few years ago that was like commentary on DACA. And it's like, why why would anybody want to read a comic that was really a, a, a slip in about how bad it is to overturn DACA about illegal immigrants? I mean, like you get so deep into this stuff that I think it ruins the actual fun and it ruins the actual art. Is that kind of what you're going for with your project? Absolutely. And this is why I had said, I mean, we have our public like code of ethics where we you can see everything that we believe in as a company and some of the things that we actually pay attention to. And, you know, we don't even mention like even a lot of the political stuff because that's not really my aspirations or those are my aspirations to like, let's say, do something that's political or uh, overtly political that just happens to be opposite of the leftist. That's not what I'm trying to do here. What I'm really trying to do is take things like back to the essence and give people that sense of enjoyment when they read it. It doesn't feel like like a chore when they pick up ISOM or even the future books that we will release. It's something to be fun, something to get lost in, something to kind of escape in, uh, build a fandom as uh, part of that, build friendships that are a part of that. And it's all about having fun. And it, it goes to show how crazy things have got because of the backlash that we got in just doing that. It's not like I was just making it out to, to be like something that's completely antithetical to what it is that they do in terms of like their messaging. I just said, I'm just not going to do that. And that in itself got us so much slack, so much pushback uh, because we're not going through what they deem as the proper channels, yet we are seeing the amount of success that it is. So it's certainly a lesson for everybody, anybody that's paying attention to this, uh, anything that's going on really in entertainment, that there is a thirsty, there's a thriving market that you can maybe tap into. Um, it's just, you just don't do what they do. It's not really a rocket science. Mm. Uh, and this, I think, would you agree, Eric, that this sort of is bigger than just comics, right? Like this goes to the game, to video games, it goes to movies, it goes to music. There's a real thirst for just people to be able to come out and whether you agree with them or not, Make a loud you know, statement about what you believe or just leave that stuff out completely. Avoid what the left is doing, because I think what you mentioned when it comes to pushback, 
is that's that's an intimidation process, right? They're trying to not just say that you're bad, but they're trying to make the next person who wants to make, uh, you know, a, a, a project that they're passionate about. They want to scare them away from even attempting it. That's exactly what it is. And those are intimidation kind of tactics because we can't or they can't have it be a situation where people that are, let's say, alternative to them in really anything in any measure that's able to get into that industry and see a level of success that's comparable to whatever it is that they do. And so for the folks that have, we got a lot of people that even like, let's say, watch uh, your show or watch us over at Blaze and anything it is that we do that were new or kind of rather late to the Riververse and they would see like the backlash online. They're like, what's the big deal? Like, what what isn't, I've read this book, there's not really uh, anything worth being so irate at. Why do they hate this guy so much? It's more so centered around the fact that we built our own sandbox and we're having a lot of fun without having to go through their own individual, uh, let's say gatekeepers or whatever it is that you want to call them that would prefer we have to go through them in order to see a level of success. But the means and really every entertainment industry has been decentralized more than what it ever had been before. So we're in a position now to make things happen that we otherwise couldn't make happen before. You had to go through the publishers. You had to go through the distributors that they already kind of had set for you. Now, Riververse comes by. We're just like, we'll just do it all ourselves. Uh, those uh, and the technology has grown so much to where we're able to sort of do that. And we did it and we saw a level of success. And I'm not the only guy that's even doing it in comics. I'm certainly not the only guy that's doing it in entertainment. You can tap into that and you can be great, but you best believe they're going to fight like hell to stop that because once this whole thing is over with, the sham they realize is sort of up, up because they have been going by way of like this perceived kind of legitimacy just because they have control over things that we have known and loved over the course of the last decades. But once that's up, it's up and they know that. Mm. Uh, Eric, for people who don't know, can you kind of give uh, them an outline of how well building your own sandbox has gone? I mean, what, how, is this, how has this process been for you? It has been more successful than what I ever could imagine. And I can't say that enough. I did not go into ISOM one thinking that we were going to make $3.7 million. I had no idea that we were even going to get anything near that. That was not something that I sought uh, to do or I even thought was even something worth like th- that we could have done. If I had got like 500,000, I would have been like, OK, but that showed the level of demand, which is why we're already getting the wheels turning. I some two will be the next book that'll be out. And then you have uh, some other books that we are working on based on other characters that I uh, have created that are going to be done by other writers as well. So we have this year is going to be massive, certainly for us. But a guy and I want to be clear about this because context does matter. We according to like the ICV2s and the Comicrons of the world, those guys are the guys that generally uh, year to year get the data of the top selling comics and graphic novels. According to them in 2021. So that was the last available data. I saw as an completely independent comic, completely uh, independent and distributed comic. We outsold every single graphic novel in North America um, uh, uh, in 2021. So that goes to show that how big and massive this is that we were able to do that in our own like in this industry and in our own like genre. Definitely when you talk about the American superhero uh, genre. So this is massive. This is massive. And 
yeah, the access media guys and the comic book media guys certainly don't like to cover it. The ones that have, they either ignore it or they'll cover it with a hit piece, but they can't deny it. This is something that is real. And the audience, my wonderful customers, have made it abundantly clear this is exactly what it is that they want. That's amazing, too. I mean, and especially these big, giant movie companies, all they want to do is make superhero movies. Here's the number one seller in North America. Have you had any calls yet, Eric? As you know, Has Marvel called you to try to buy this thing up? No, we haven't got anybody that has uh, hit us up yet, but we've got some great opportunities there because there are like former and current artists and writers that have been doing things with Marvel and DC that are like, hey, uh, just giving you my portfolio in case, you know, you need some work done because uh-huh. it cannot be denied. I mean, even the guys that we had on the, the on the first ISOM, like Cliff Richards, former DC guy, Gabriel Taib, former DC guy. So I'm paying them better than what they were ever making over there uh, as well. So it's been cool to have those guys reach out to us because whether the the big dogs want to acknowledge that it's there, even though we know they're talking about us, it cannot be uh, denied what it is that we're doing. So cool. Such a great story. Eric July, Blaze TV contributor, host of For Canon's Sake, and make sure to go over to Ripperverse.com. You can get your own copy of the first issue of ISOM. It's a comic you definitely do not want to miss. Eric, thanks so much. Congratulations on all your success and and great talking to you. Thanks. We'll see you soon. You know, listening to Eric talk about, you know, the journey to create the whole Ripperverse situation where he, you know, sees a real problem in an industry and then creates his own thing and just goes out on his own and super successful. Sort of reminds me of uh, Blaze TV. This is kind of what Glenn did back in the day. It was like, hey, I'm looking at the news. I'm not getting the truth from these channels. Maybe we should just create our own thing. And, you know, it's been around now for a long time. Uh, and obviously just this show by itself is more than worth the subscription price. But as we start a new year, I would love for you to come on board and be a subscriber of Blaze TV. You can do that easily, blazetv.com slash stew. If you use the promo code stew, you'll save yourself 10 bucks. But we just love the, 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 the sort of community that we've had here for so many years. Many of you have been to, with us since the very beginning. We hear from you all the time. I listened when it was called GBTV, which was the initial uh, name. Maybe you were on CRTV and you came over and uh, when, when we had the merger, We've got a great uh, you know, uh, collection of, of people and shows here. Also, uh, I will tell you, uh, we just got an internal uh, email that came in, and I don't think we're allowed to talk about it yet, so I can't give you any of the details. But there's a lot of new stuff coming, too. A lot of new shows, a lot of new projects on, on the way, and I think uh, you're really going to enjoy them. So join us. It's important because, you know, just like with, as, as Eric was talking about, pushing back against the machine that's in place is really, really an important thing to do. It's a very American thing to do. It's blazetv.com slash stew, blazetv.com slash stew. The promo code is stew. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. 
Really positive news out of the DeMar Hamlin situation. Obviously, he had a cardiac arrest situation on the field. They canceled the rest of the game. Uh, he went through a couple of really you know, days where it was hit or miss, but uh, his breathing tube has been removed. He was FaceTiming teammates today, talking, asking them questions, saying that he wants them to go out and play this weekend. They have a game against the Patriots, a very important game. Uh, so really encouraging things coming out of that situation. And the fact that he wants the team to play makes the NFL's decision that much more perplexing as they have decided not to finish the Bills' Uh, Bengals game that was in process at the time. Now, it's very difficult to schedule these things. They don't have a lot of wiggle room, but this is a vital game, and they could have easily played it next weekend, maybe with the NFC wildcard games, and then play the AFC wildcard games the week after, come back for the other rounds, and just skip the week between the championship games and Super Bowl. NFL didn't want to do that. Uh, they decided not to. They're going to have this kind of weird thing that basically if any of these teams match up against each other in the playoffs, they're going to play it at a neutral site. So there's no home field advantage, which is all I guess that would be uh, you know, decided here as we're getting into the playoffs. But a very strange decision. And honestly, like they could have easily played it. It wouldn't have been that big of a deal, uh, but they decided not to. Um, in case uh, you, you're getting used to playing for, paying, praying excuse me, for NFL athletes, you may want to know about the situation with Peyton Hillis. You may remember him, really a huge star for a couple of years, like two huge years in Cleveland, and actually was the, on the cover of the 2012 Madden NFL game. And then his career, you know, injuries hit, and he it wound up, he was only in the league for about three more years after that. But, uh, you know, had, had a decent career in the NFL. Uh, he, his kids were apparently drowning in the ocean, and he jumped in to save them, saving four kids from uh, God only knows what, and now is in critical condition. It does seem like he is doing better now and recovering. Um, and, you know, again, we are all saying prayers for NFL athletes these days. Remember Peyton Hillis as well, who heroically saved his children here in this situation, it appears. Uh, and we really hope both uh, Damar Hamlin and Peyton, Peyton Hillis make a full recovery. Back in a second. Hello and Adabada. That's actually not a greeting, but it kind of sounds Abadaba, Adabada. I don't know how to exactly how to pronounce it. By the way, this is not a greeting. It's actually Stu Eats America, where we test uh, test drive the best in new snack foods. And today we start with a new flavor of Lay's. Well, it's actually not that new because it's like a World Cup flavor. Which am I going to die by eating these? I mean, the World Cup was a couple of weeks ago. Um, this is Abadaba flavored. And uh, makes me kind of excited. Now, I, I guess normally it's like a pork seasoning, but you know, this is uh, uh, apparently says chili, tomato, and lime flavors team up for the win because of soccer. You got it? And by the way, I should point out, we started the show saying, how can you improve yourself? Maybe you want to eat healthier. One way to improve your, to make sure you improve yourself is not schedule a segment every week called Stew Eats America, where you're eating snack foods all the time. Okay, so abadaba flavored lays. Cheer, taste, goal. Celebrate a vibrant and rich Latino-inspired flavor. And FIFA World Cup 2022 with Lay's Abadaba chips. Okay, here we go. Let's try them out. Okay. I'm going to try one more here. This is just for the science of this situation, but 
you can't just have one chip when you're trying it with a bag of lace because the seasoning falls down from the sky, whatever magical sky genie sends down the seasonings. Sometimes they hit the chip, sometimes they don't. The first one I had, barely any flavor on it at all. Second one, a little stronger. I'm gonna try one, one more. Look, there's nothing wrong with these chips. They're fine, they're good, they're solid. I don't know that they're like, they're all that notable. I, I don't feel like there's a huge fa- flavor profile for them where you're sitting back and you're just like, I gotta have another bag of abadaba. But uh, I will say, they're not bad. We grade on an old school grading scale from A to F. And these I will put in the category of B minus. There's nothing wrong with them. Could I eat this entire bag of these things? Yeah, they're not bad at all. It's the official US snack of FIFA World Cup 2022. And that means something. The sport sucks. The chip's not bad. These I am excited about, though. Are you kidding me with us? Tangy, sweet and tangy, barbecue-flavored Doritos? When did that happen? Because I love the spicy sweet chili. People know me, no. Oh, bring the spicy sweet chili over and Stu will show up at your party. Any party. All right, let's do this here. Spicy, or excuse me, sweet and tangy barbecue Doritos. Oh, yeah. Oh, I could take a bag of these down. Mm. Now, funny because I like barbecue chips. I'll eat barbecue chips. There's nothing wrong with barbecue chips. But when you can combine them with the Dorito, like I'll eat almost any kind of Dorito. Barbecue chips are fine, but they're not my favorite chips. These are good. The sweet and tang- the sweet and tangy thing really plays out here. Good flavor burst on a Dorito chip, man. I, I, I could easily go through a bag of these, and I'm about to do just that. Forget the habits segment from earlier. That was stupid. It was a mistake, a huge mistake. Eat as many Doritos as you can. I'll give these barbecue sweet and tangy Doritos an A minus. I love these things. They're very, very good. And now I'm going to stuff my face with them. Have a good day. Have a good night. We'll see you on Monday.